Angie for breakfast. Triple M. This is Triple M Southwest. This is Angie here, and we're going to have a conversation. So a couple of months ago, we had an absolute um, storm erupt around the Southwest Football League regarding some racial slur accusations that have resulted in a tribunal investigation and then we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for results of that. It's scaled up the ladders all the way to the AFL, up to the top, and let's bring it back down to a local level. Um, People who are involved in this are generally volunteers. Uh, They're passionate about their clubs. Um, Their love of football is plain to see and we're just going to sort of delve in and see where we were to where we're going to be going in the future for the whole of the Southwest Football League. It's a brilliant league. Um, There is some great footy that's played every weekend throughout winter around here, and we want to keep the whole sporting familiarity with the Southwest nice and strong. And addressing something that has happened um, is a great way going forward. So I was contacted by the crew at the South Bunbury Football Club. I'm going to be transparent. Triple M is a media partner with them, and that's been a new thing as of this year. So you guys have, uh, you know, contacted us, and we're having this conversation together. So with me here is Andrew Roberts and Lee Wright. G'day, guys. Hi, G'day. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, good. So we've brought so many more people into the conversation around football with what's been going on. So, Lee, can I just give you get you to give me a bit of a background on who you are and your association with the club and your role? Yeah, look, uh, I'm the newly appointed president of South Bunbury. Uh, I've been on the board for about seven years and uh, prior to that I was uh, involved in the junior board for about 12 or 13 years as a coach and a board member. Uh, I played at South Bunbury for uh, 10 or 12 years and did a bit of coaching around the southwest. So I've had a fairly broad run and now I'm... Uh, 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 new into the presidency role and uh, uh, a baptism of fire, shall we say. It's been a big couple of months for you, mate. And uh, and Andrew, um, Andrew Roberts, do you want to just give us a bit of an insight into your role that you play in the club? So I've been, I did all my junior years at South Bunbury. Um, and that was a while ago. That was a while ago. Thanks, Ange. Um, and then I was partnership liaison and sponsorship manager there for the last four seasons and the club approached me to take on the general manager's role this year. Once again, baptism of fire. So that's okay though. It's um, certainly been on a steep learning curve this year. But um, yeah, it's that's my basic role with the club. All right. So let's really break this down step by step. And I'm not going to harp on as to the ins and outs of the initial incident. Mm-hmm. We'll give it some context. Um, but what I really hope to get out of this conversation is the results of the report Mm -hmm. and the tribunal and where we're going to move forward with our sport here in the Southwest. So I don't know, Lee, do you want to just sort of recap um, the ignition point for this whole conversation? Well, initially um, we had the the situation where there was uh, a racist um, remark uh, that went to the tribunal at the Southwest Football League. Um, uh, We went through the process there and uh, there was some findings uh, due to the process of, of that tribunal placed. Um, and then really everything's evolved from there. Uh, uh, obviously, individual uh, people within the football community have um, taken that to heart. And then obviously it struck a, uh, a chord with um, <coughs> um, uh, the 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 ladies team at the South Bunbury Football Club and there's been a number of, uh, shall we say, issues 
uh, and discussions that have arisen through that process and uh, and we've had to work our way through that, which has been pretty full on for the last two or three months. All right, that was a pretty good overview. We'll flesh out some of the details. It was the initial incident that went to tribunal was a um, accusation of a racial slur uh, against an Indigenous player. Um, the coach of the women's team is an Indigenous man and um, there was a lot of feeling and emotion that was caught up around that and the way that it was handled. Um, what were the findings of that, tran- that tribunal at the time? Well, the, the, the tribunal uh, found the South Bunbury Football Club uh, guilty of the vilification uh, at that particular time, uh, there was a, a couple of individuals, and I, and I can't name names, and it's not appropriate that I do, um, that were being questioned in relation to the responsibility of that. Um, there was a considerable amount of uh, information that didn't match up through the tribunal, and the tribunal itself was unable to find any individual uh, guilty of uh, that circumstance, uh, and in that situation, South Bunbury absorbed the responsibility, and the club itself was uh, found guilty. Uh, and a uh, recommendation of a of a uh, contribution was was uh, recommended, which we complied complied with and of course at a later date um, it was seen to be a fairly trivial amount which we had to deal with again but really South Bunbury was just complying with the recommendation. Um, I suppose the confusing part for a lot of people (coughs) is how individual because normally when someone goes to tribunal it's about an incident on field or you know whatever Mm. and it, it surrounds individual players so how can an individual player not be found guilty but the club held to account? Andrew, you're nodding at me. Good question. Um, we still can't ascertain that and we're still unsure as to why. And to comply with the tribunal process, we accepted the $200 donation recommendation. We increased that to $1,000 because we didn't think the amount was applicable. Cause, it's a little bit awkward, really. Yeah. We, we're still, I, I guess, sort of questioning that ourselves. Some of the report reflects that. Yeah. Um, so... Basically, we we increase the donation to a thousand dollars to make it mean something. So you know. Now, can we just clear up with some context how that situation that happened um, that went to tribunal? The club was suggested to do a donation. How that rolled into then the controversy that surrounded the women's team. Well, I, I think um, basically the the furor that's come out not only through social media but through the football community um, has been around the fact that um, there was an assumption that someone has not come forward uh, and basically uh, admitted to the vilification. Um, now, the process that we went through at the tribunal, uh, and I've got to be careful, I, I uh, under um, under the rules of the tribunal, I can't comment on what actually took place there other than to be broad. But essentially, uh, uh, the tribunal and in its process um, could not find anybody um, absolutely uh, uh, guilty in that circumstance. So that finding was, was not taken, uh, did not happen. And then, of course, everyone has made a, a big assumption that 
frankly, that South Bunbury may have held back or been holding back in the truth in that regard when, in simple fact, uh, we've complied with everything and um, and we still contend to the fact that um, there's a there's a few, uh, what should we say, there's a, there's a few circumstances that haven't been considered in the fact that uh, one or t- one point that the two individuals that were put in the slot were um, not found guilty, but that hasn't been the recognition of, of the football community. They've been uh, considered guilty and then the club has been, uh, I believe, uh, considered to be in hiding someone, which is absolutely not the case. No. Um, I suppose a bit of the information that people would be looking for, because I know I am, I'm a bit confused how, um, you know, there's a there's obviously a couple of individuals that are key players in that women's team, um, the captain and the coach, who, how did they, who were so proud to wear the South Bunbury colours and uniform, how did they take it so badly the results of this tribunal and have it end up in the you know disbanding of the women's team yes well um it's it's a very big conversation it's it, um, in in truth uh, we could spend some time discussing it and we would still only be touching the edges it's been um quite a quite a uh, intricate situation obviously having uh, an indigenous coach um, and the uh, the ladies in our women's team are quite sensitive to the fact uh, that they don't want to be associated with anything that's vilification-wise. Um, that in itself struck a, a chord which, which uh, we found hard to deal with because um, they were asking for answers uh, directly uh, from us as a board of management. Uh, and one of the things that we found particularly hard is because we couldn't give answers specifically in relation to the tribunal, which was uh, very hard because of the confidentiality uh, and we were forbidden to. Uh, So for the process of that tribunal and the ensuing appeal process, because what everyone may or may not be aware, there was an appeals process um, that went in after the tribunal, which took some weeks as well. And that went right up through the WA Footy Commission, uh, right to AFL level and back down again uh, to give a result, uh, which basically did not change any of the uh, initial results. Uh, so whilst that process is taking place, uh, we were gagged in, in not being able to make any comments or clarity on what actually took place. So that has been a real bugbear in the process. Um, and I might mention as well at this point, I'm not a journalist, and I'm happy to <laughs> roll with that. Um, as a, as a you guys are, you know, being the, the president of the club, you're not um, probably media trained necessarily, apart from the odd, like, you know, happy interview about how a game went or how great a player is. And just to give people insight, when it does come down to big news stories and media releases and communications plans, um, when you're looking at a volunteer basis, there's not necessarily any experience of people to, to deal with when that comes thick and fast. Yeah. So um, I will say that that must have been extremely difficult for everyone to dance around whilst going to work. It was really frustrating, Angie, for the simple reason being that 
South Bunbury through this whole process, and it reflects that in the report findings, that we respected the process of the tribunal. There's a lot of people out there that didn't. And, you know, individuals were named when that, you know, actually convenes against the social media policy of the South West Football League, mm-hmm. of against our club as well, um, which made it very, very frustrating. So it's it's hard on volunteers in the club, but at the same time, it's just you you want to tell what happened, but you're not allowed to because we've got to respect those processes. And we do respect and still respect those processes that the tribunal system is in place for. So um, it was just like, you know, all the board members, all the players, right, say nothing off social media, do not comment, do not, oh, there's people out there throwing stones. We understand that, but you've got to respect the process. That's the way it is. And heartening to our our football sides in operation, um, they were very good. Um, They found it very hard um, because obviously they, they play for the colours and they play for the club, but it was very hard for them to not respect that process or to respect that process when they wanted to have their say and we just put a blanket ban and said look no because we need to respect the processes in place and that's to our players credit I think most of that was done pretty well so all right I think we're coming to nearly the end of sifting through what (laughs) started it all and we've got a lot more to go of where we're going so I will remind us all of that um but from my understanding the women's team wanted to wear um, Reconciliation Week shirts to do their warm-up? Uh, correct. In the Donnybrook game, they actually wanted to do that. Mm. Um, but And that was one of the issues that ended in the collapse yeah, yeah, of the Yeah, look, team. we're not... We are no way... We are no way against that process and against that initiative. In fact, we embrace that. Um, but we have processes in place. So um, it, it pays to actually let the Board of Operations know what you would like to do. Um, we put that through to the board. The board accepted it. Um, we certainly have not accepted it before. Um, but telling us on game day when we've actually got partnership commitments to club partners who who pay money to the club to have their brand recognised uh, is very important as well. So we have to go to the partners and say, look, just for this week, we're doing this. And that, that process wasn't respected. So you can't tell us on match day that's what you're doing. That's a bit hard. So, and the other thing, Andy, too, is is that the Southwest League itself has mm, uh, match has rules. protocols and game regulations, which state that you must apply for uh, a an approval to change any of your strips that you present on on the day. So, geez, there's a lot of bloody red tape. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, that, but that's football, and I mean, and even even warm up shirts, we need to tell them what we're doing. So, because I mean, that's processes are in place, and the processes that the Southwest Football League put in place are there for a reason. So, and we have club rules and we, we respect the brands that support the club. Uh, that's, that's very important for us to communicate with them the right way because that's about being professional. So that's where that did start. And, and, and unfortunately, the club was viewed as, oh, not embracing reconciliation week, which is incorrect. That is not, that is not true. And at the end of the day, we would have happily respected that process if we had been approached with due course to actually let the league know to say, look, our warm-up shirts are going to be different this day because uh, the girls have asked to do this, it wouldn't have been a problem. Am I correct? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Correct. All right. All right. <laughs> We're waiting through it. We're waiting through it. Um, now, it, it did 
one thing led to another, mm-hmm. and it ended in the collapse of the the women, the very successful women's team, which has been heartbreaking to so many people, and has been an extremely messy experience. And now we've got we've waited um, a long time for the the report to come out. Um, can you share with us the full report, or are there parts that you can share with us? We we can't share with you the the full report um, because that's not up to us uh, to to give that approval. That's WA Football Commission and Southwest Football League, but we, as part of that investigation, have been provided a copy. Um, along with uh, that copy, we we have the information uh, to address uh, some of the issues that have been raised and the matters that we as a club need to address. So. Um, I think it's important for us as a club for clarity um, to to basically not move away from that report and uh, we're very, very happy to uh, say some of the things that are in here as far as findings and one of the findings that we, or a couple of the key findings that are in there and, and I'm happy, Ange, to, um, to read this directly off the report itself. Yeah. Um, uh, Right, I bear with me. <laughs> See, it's authentic. There, there, there's a fair uh, bit in there. There is a lot there. It's not staged. <laughs> there's three, three here. There was uh, one point here which I think is clearly important. Uh, there was no evidence to indicate that South Bunbury Football Club has a sexist culture. That's straight from the report. Another point following straight underneath. Our investigations does not indicate that players vacated the club due to inappropriate comments being made at the season launch. Uh, uh, oh, that, yeah. I so, forgot about that bit. <laughs> so, um, so basically, um, so, so there's some answers <coughs> there. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, labelling the club for some time, um, but it's basically come out and said that we, we do not have a sexist culture and we do not have a racist culture and that's the Commission's finding itself. That's not South Bunbury's uh, words, that's the Commission's document. And why did it take so long for the report to come back? Um, yeah, we did ask the Integrity Unit that and they unfortunately are only uh, a staff of three people and they're dealing with issues right across the state. So, I mean, every club right across the state and I don't know how many football clubs there are, but I know there's a few leagues and, you know, I mean, they've, they've been tasked with dealing with issues. So that's why it was a bit of a delay in the report being released. So we had to be just be patient, sit on our hands for a while and, and just wait for the report to come out. Um, I've, I've seen another media outlet uh, report that um, the WA Football Commission investigated, which recommended your board be staffed with female Indigenous representation. Mm. Now, I believe that that's actually incorrect? That's not right. Um, so our board has actually had female, probably 30% female representation for the last five years. Okay. So I think they're referring to the Southwest Football League executive in that situation um, because they don't have any female members on their executive, mm-hmm. <coughs> which is a recommendation that I'm sure the league will embrace. Um, but um, um, the president has also said that this has been a steep learning curve for the, for the league as well. So, I mean, it's it's something that we all can obviously create positive things from. Yeah. Um, How about Indigenous representation on the board? 
as for the Southwest Football League? Um, well, it, so the the missed report was that it recommends your board to be staffed with female and Indigenous representation. Yeah, I think so, that's the Southwest Football League. I, I think, I think, I think yeah. that's more in relation <coughs> to the recommendation for the Southwest Football League. Uh, yeah, but on your board, you've got 30% female. Do you right. have Indigenous representation as well? We don't. No, we Not don't. Uh, but we did um, uh, have, during that process, and for the last three years, we did enjoy having uh, Max Jetta, who was obviously, as the coach of the women's environment and heavily involved in this situation, mm -hmm. um, anything that we needed to discuss, uh, we generally discussed with Max yeah. and um, and uh, we, we came through uh, very very soundly through that period of time. That is something that we'll need to address now, obviously. And I think that's now the question, isn't it? So mm. I've got a document here um, uh, from the club moving forward, mm. <laughs> literally called. Um, what's the plan now? This is obviously, like we've said, baptism of fire, steep learning curve. We've seen the collapse of a very successful women's team. There are a lot mm. of hard lessons to be learned here. But what do we do now to ensure that we learn them, not just as a club or a league, but, you know, obviously with so many complaints coming through to the tribunal of this nature mm. with varying different media attention on it, mm. obviously something needs to change in the sport. Well, we can only speak for our club. I mean, we don't sort of look in everybody else's backyard too often. So, I mean, but um, we are finding that obviously it's it's not a sport-wide issue, but there is obviously, it's it's probably more common than it should be. Um, like we, we have embraced Indigenous culture at our club for decades. And look, I mean, if you want to reveal, but right back to the 50s and 60s, there's not a proud history of society treating the Indigenous culture with respect, which I strongly disagree with. Um, you know, it, they, they should be. They were the First Nations people here. Um, we respect and have a proud Indigenous culture at the club. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's one of those things. We school our players. We've been working with local Indigenous uh, community here. And now the WA Football Commission will be helping us out with that as well. So it's it's a step in the right direction for everyone, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's not been an easy road in the last three months, but I think this just opens everybody's eyes up, I suppose in fairness, as to as to where we all sit. And, you know, I think, and I, our board is strong belief that, you know, the First Nations people should be respected. Um, we've been speaking with one of the local Noongar representatives here, and he's giving us some ideas. Troy Bunnell's given us some significance of what Hands Able used to be, and we need to tell that story to everybody. Um, what did it used to be? Ancient Quabbery Ground. Ooh. So um, Troy, Troy's filled us in with that information. He's been very helpful. And that's that's really opened our eyes, and I said, well, maybe we need to get some signage up around the precinct about the cultural significance of the place. Um, and today, our, as Troy often says, our dance today is, isn't a quabbery, but it's our dance now is AFL. That's that's what we do there now. So <clears throat> we're, um, we're going to be looking in that space moving forward. So it's, it's quite exciting. And I suppose just as somebody who's watched, sat back and watched this whole thing unfold, like so many... That's the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm hopeful for, mm. you know, because there yeah, is so much to learn from each other yeah. and so much to move forward with. Um, there's been a lot of people hurt um, within the club now, not within the club, um, the league, the reputations, all of it, an absolute shitstorm. Let's be honest, mm. a lot of hurt feelings. Um, but when you hear 
of you know the changes that are going to come moving forward. I know one of your internal improvements is to appoint a new director of women's football hmm. for next year. So these are the sorts of things that we can look forward to seeing change, hmm. real change, hmm. not tokenistic change. So what's the plan there um, with your women's football director? Um, we're sourcing a few. We've got two expressions of interest so far. Um, also a new women's coach. We've just advertised that this week for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mean, there was still, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was about eight women players that wanted to stay at the club, but it was unfair of the club to try to keep them there if there was no women's team that could fill the numbers. So we cleared and transferred those players out to other clubs because they still want to keep playing football and yep. that's, and that's got to be respected. Absolutely. Yep. But there's quite a few players that have actually said, look, we're, we're quite keen to come back to the club in 2023. I said, well, we just need to get all our ducks in a row a new women's coach, and we've had three expressions of interest. Lee's taken some phone calls already on that, which is heartening to hear. And obviously it's about working very closely with the women's development programs that we have in the junior ranks because we've got six girls' side in the junior junior ranks. Uh, So it's quite strong down there. So we just need to make that transition. Some of those will transition to the senior side next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously the board will work closely with the coach and the director of women's football. So... And uh, we've got a phase four in your uh, incident reform process, which <laughs> sounds uh, very official. Uh, supporting and monitoring, so continual engagement with Indigenous elders and women football <coughs> operations needs yep. to be ongoing. Yes. So it seems like um, we hit a big speed bump. I think, you know, when you look at the overall picture, we're not the only club going through this pain. Um, we're not the only club trying to adjust. I mean... The South Bunbury's been around for 125 years, right? The AFL competition, competition, the first AFL game was played in Kalgoorlie in 1892. That was the first AFL game ever played. And obviously it hits the eastern seaboard and explodes and they've done a great job, the AFL, in promoting the game. But I think the bigger picture is here is the women's competition is only six seasons old and the AFL competition is... 100 plus years old so there's a lot of adjustment and change for clubs to go through Um, and I've spoken with some of my contacts at other local footy clubs I've spoken to some of my contacts at AFL clubs who I speak to on a weekly basis and they said mate we're going through the same pain you know to, to get that equilibrium and you know to give the women the recognition they deserve is is a period of change for a lot of clubs and every I I know at least 50 AFL clubs would be going through that that pain across the country because they're not paying catch-up, so to speak, but you look at a club like South Bunbury, so the building was built in 71, I believe. Um, so the building was built in 71 and it was made to cater for male players. So that was it, was it was a male sport. All of a sudden now we've got to find additional blocks for female change rooms and et cetera, et cetera. That, all that has to change and all that change costs money and the club's not, the clubs, especially the local football clubs like here, the lower southwest down through Manjum up and that, they're not making a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making enough to make ends meet, running with volunteer board of operations in the club or committees or whatever it may be. So it, that takes time. 
and we're on that path. We're we're, we're changing things, and you know the um, the redevelopment of the um, the Hands Oval precinct is starting at the end of this year, and there's there's allowances for female change rooms in there and things like that. So it it is a lot of clubs are going to play catch up because you know, and you look at the state of the women's game, and it's actually exploding. The numbers are exploding, and that's where clubs are probably finding it hard. Uh, just to say, oh, well, we're going to play catch up here because this has gotten a bit bigger than we thought. If you could have told us six years ago that we would have a senior women's team and six or seven junior women's team, we're going, yeah, I don't think so. But the numbers are just massive. So, which is great for the game. It's fantastic for the game for for women in footy. We actually embrace that, and we think it's absolutely sensational. So, at the end of the day, um, it's about bringing the new team in, respecting the protocols of the game respecting the game day rules that are set in place not just by us but South West Football League, the WA Country Football League, all those rules are set in place for a reason. So some people view them as red tape but we view them as the guidelines that we have to follow and respect. So that's that's moving forward. Um, it needs to be a conducive um, sentiment and operation between the Board of Operations, the all the football teams at the club, not just the women's football team but everyone. So, I mean, and we have inclusive activities. We have the uh, special needs kids that come every Friday night and play their, play their football. There's only six or eight of them. But when they come and approach the club at the start of the year, we said, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have you down. And they, they thought it was great because they've got a home base to play their football. And we embrace that. That's, we're, we're all inclusive in what we do. Um, but there are things that we can always learn. Every, every club will go through that. Lee, any, anything finally <coughs> to wrap up from yourself? I think the the big thing that uh, I need to get out there is, is that uh, we're committed to, uh, to doing the very best that we can in addressing uh, the points that have been raised to us, um, and, and we will do that. <coughs> We've got an action plan in place. Uh, we'll move through that and we'll address everything that's required. We've addressed everything that's been given to us by the WA Football uh, Commission and the Southwest Football League, and um, they've uh, they've been very um, good in the fact that they've given us the support and going th- through those uh, th- those items. Uh, the key thing the key thing I'd like to leave is is that um, South Bunbury Football Club um, has been uh, in the media one way or another for for quite some time now. But some of the things that I would like to mention is the fact that uh, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't hit the media in the fact that we raised an absolute truckload of food for the homeless uh, at the Christmas appeal through the Retrovision partnership. Mm. Um, in in recent times, at the beginning of the year, we had one of our Indigenous players going through cancer and his family was in upheaval and we, we moved uh, into Top Gear and helped raise some funds for him. Uh, to help him, him and his family get through those uh, those t- tough times, um, and he addressed us at the club and gave heartfelt thanks, uh, and that was that was really, I think, a wonderful thing because uh, the human element and his thanks uh, it, it it shows that as a club we we embrace uh, indigenous and and uh, female football and we demonstrate it. Uh, we've got a a women's netball and junior netball association attached to South Bunbury with five senior teams and 16 junior teams. A few years ago, that that association uh, was kicked off with with just a couple of teams at the senior level. And 
through working in that environment, we've now got a vibrant and a very, very strong and growing uh, female netball involvement in the club. And they're an integral and great part of our club. So I, you know, I just urge everyone in the community and, and all the good club members to embrace the good things that we do because we, we have some absolutely magnificent people involved at South Bunbury. And whilst there are a couple of bumps in the road, We'll get through that, and uh, we need to focus on the good things that we do. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in to sit down and have a very big conversation with me because I did say it was going to be a conversation. Um, do you guys feel like you've uh, you've been able to say your piece and sort of clear the air a little bit? Oh, look, I mean, everybody's going to have their opinion, and we respect those opinions. Uh, but we we're going to what's the word? We're going to stay the course, and you know, we and everybody learns and. I think there's a lot of club committees out there, whether it be football or basketball or whatever. The board of operations also don't always get it right either. So, and but if you're good enough to realise that, which we we're good enough for it, we're up for the challenge. And I think we do realise that um, that we you can always do things better, or you can always improve on where you are. And that's where the, I think the board sees this as an operational. Uh, Thing to actually improve and get better. Um, so that's that's what we're trying to get out of it. And from <clears throat> from my point of view, as I've said, I'm not a journalist. I'm a presenter, which sort of melds in things. I'm not just here doing the who, what, when, where, why, and how. But to bring into something different into this conversation, because I bet you you're going to get approached now for a bunch of different interviews, and I bet you everyone that interviews is going to be a bloke, and I bet you it's going to be a very different interview. <laughs> And that's Probably because <laughs> I'm the oddball in my industry. Um, I'm the only solo host, female breakfast, commercial breakfast radio show in Australia without a producer. Without and how do you else. find that, Angie? Is it, is it a challenge? It's, it's wild. <laughs> um, but so I know. And so the thing I will say to people who are in football, in clubs, who are going through this change, you know, making room for women mm. physically and, mm. and in a mental space, it yeah. is a change. Um, just, you have to run with it. Like we've had to break rules and we've had to go out mm. of the boxes to get where we are to begin with. Yeah. So we're used to having to push boundaries to get even heard. Mm. So when boundaries get pushed and conflict happens, there's probably a whole lot of context that you guys haven't ever had to see or with absolutely all due respect, have walked a very different path. Mm. I've never walked your path. You've overcome obstacles and boundaries. You guys don't know mine. It's the same thing both ways. But um, I think the way that we become a better and a stronger community is always through empathy and empathy through shared stories and diversity. Hmm. So good luck with all your interviews with all the blokes and football. Thank and um, I genuinely really appreciate having the time to sit down and talk to you guys. It's been a pleasure. Andy. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Angie for breakfast. 